And then in 1963, he came out, not came out. I was going to say he came out with a PhD. <laughs> like, I'm like, uh, mom, dad, I'm a PhD. Hey, roaches. I'm Toddy Tondera, and welcome to my audio thrifting diary. I scour through secondhand items searching for vibrant vintage, useful unusuals, big budget bangers, trendy trinkets, cool collectibles, and good garbage. Each week, we curate a thrift haul, dive into the details, and record an episode based on our findings. I'm sentimentally attached to things you have forgotten. It's time to get thrifty. Hey, who said you could come in here? Welcome to another episode of Thrifty, secondhand shopping for worm people. So we're going to be digging in the dirt tonight. Uh, Before we start the episode, quickly, what I said last week, I said by now I would have some information on who won best of uh best podcast of 2020 in pittsburgh via the city paper but unfortunately i do not and obviously due to the pandemic there's not like a big thing or anything like that but i have seen that on october 7th it will be put in the pittsburgh city paper uh the announcements for who won now i don't know if i'm going to find out prior like if they're going to throw me an email and say, bro, you better go get that paper, da-da, ta-da, ta-da, it's, you're in there, or not, and it's fine either way. Um, but yeah, I'm still excited about it, there's no doubt there. Um, so on October 7th, um, get your if you live in the Pittsburgh area, I know uh, some listeners do live in the Pittsburgh area, check out the city paper and don't text me though, because there's a chance that I'm trying to find it, and if you find it before I do, and then tell me that I I stunk. If you say I stunk, that's fine. I'm not. Don't tell me anything. Actually, the more information you do not tell me, the better. And I found that in real life, and that's why I keep things from myself. Anyway, um, so that's that. Also, um, no uh, episode next week. Taking a break. just stressed um just no episode next week but there is an episode this week and this week is a very special episode because on this week's episode we have the king pin king prin welcome back prin that was a really cute one i like Uh, that one a lot i've been doing that i've been saying that i've been king prince i've been kind of getting it out there and you kind of have kingpin energy a bit very cool um you that's like that's like a a, like a battle legal thing so let's sure um sure maybe i'm the kingpin of like gay cool (laughs) there we go yep 
Kingpin gay. <laughs> the Kingpin of gay. Um, so Kingpin is back on the show, and it's been a little bit, at least a while. Yeah, I no, it think. really has. Because you were on for Christmas. I, th- I was about to say, I think White Elephant was my last one. Wow. So you've been on since, but yeah, so you're back on the show. It's great to have you back. Real fresh stuff. Um, but for those folks listening who haven't heard King Print before, um, King Print does a lot of cool things, um, including mm-hmm. birth charts. And I have my birth chart done for me by Print um, the day I met him. Um the, the literal day I met him, you yep. did my birth chart. <laughs> you just needed to find out, I suppose, what I was going on. I knew you were a Capricorn. Yeah. Um, so you had to figure out what the situation I was. I had there. to see the rest of it, yeah. Yeah. Did it, does it, does the original reading of me, is it seen? Does it stand? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Gotta think so. Oh, yeah, you gotta think. Yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting because the original reading you had found that I was right in the center of the gender spectrum, sort of just like kind of like right smack dab in the center. Yes. Your number of masculine signs and feminine signs is absolutely even. Yeah. Um, which is very interesting because in astrology that is like most easily explained is like feeling versus thinking sure um so the the feminine signs are more emotional signs uh-huh. um, and the masculine signs are more analytical yeah um and knowing you yeah those get tangled a lot so that makes sense because they're they're both at the same intensity sure okay yeah i always that piece of it always stuck with me it just it just stuck with me all the time because yeah it's also i mean (laughs) because yeah you can cut this you can redact it um but you've learned that many things about you are gayer than you thought yeah uh since meeting me Uh, i sure that might be one of them sure i mean meeting you (laughs) is just gay right Meeting me is a really like a really gay experience. Um, yeah, like a really gay experience. Yeah, and I have thought, and I had thought about it um, before we were recording, and I identify as a a a queer man, and I believe you are, at least to my knowledge. You know, I could be very wrong, and I apologize if I am, but I believe you are the uh, only other queer man. I've had on the show, and before. some people may not ready, uh, may not ready. Wow, may not be ready sure. to say that. Uh, Whatever. Hey, I was on the show, but um, mm-hmm. until to my knowledge, are, until they are, I'm taking the fucking crown for that. And that's why you're ki- the the king the pin, king king of king <laughs> Um, so Prin is with us today, and what we're going to be talking about in Act One, we're going to be talking about some books. We're going over some books. We have some really cool literature. We start from there, and then we also go into the really 
dumb stuff too so we have everything so if you're smart out there and you're listening you're like very cool if you're as dumb as i am and you're listening you're like okay cool i can tune in cool how do i even (laughs) hit the play button on things so yeah that's that's gonna be there it's also funny that you picked me for the book episode because i have uh mental illness on mental illness on mental illness uh and a lot of that kind of amounts to i can't read anything but manga anymore yeah um so it's very interesting that you picked me for the book episode but i've been you know did you ever as a kid have like those like read like the train that could and also listen to it on cassette yeah of course i've been doing that yeah like i have an audio book and then i have the physical book of midnight sun and i've been listening while i'm reading along and that's made me want to read more Mm -hmm. so maybe this is my any sound effects is a sign is there any sound effects uh, in the, in the like the audible recording, yeah. no, not Damn. so far. Okay, because that's yeah, I do that too. But there's some sound effects to them, and I'm like, well, this kind of brings me in. But yeah, um, so that's cool. Yeah, and I um, the last time you had moved, I had assisted in the move. Yes, and I had going to be honest here, carried all my books, carried, carried all absolutely the books all my books to because your house. the day that. It happened. I thought I could fit my couch in my trunk, but I'm, like, too gay for math. Yeah. Um, and I measured it wrong. And so then we had to take my couch back inside. And I was like, honestly, I'm fucking depressed and I don't want to fuck with it. And you were like, well, I'll just take the books. And yeah. I appreciate that because it, uh, it sucks to carry them. Uh, I'm someone who has moved a lot. Yeah. So I'm used to it. So when I saw your books in like three big boxes, mm-hmm. I was like, that's, you just do not pack books in box. You just don't. Because the thing about that is it's so. They were all in plastic though. Yeah. All in plastic and glass. Right. But it, it is so neat to do that. And it is so, um, you could fit so many books in a box. Like it, yeah. it's, it's I got done. OCD baby Tetris that shit. Yeah. And it's done. But the thing is it gets so heavy because it's so okay to do because it's so neat right and but so that, you know what that's a metaphor for my brain because it gets heavy because i tetris it I, and i shouldn't tetris it that much i believe the hardest thing for you to move though was the chair because the chair was so oblong that i had said like it's gonna take like one person has to strong arm this chair because like up the stairs yeah. while you were pushing from behind yeah and so that was a lot of fun that was but the, fun. i mean the chairs are pretty lit I got good chairs Mm -hmm. that are also thrifted. Shout out to um, the Heidelberg outlet. Yeah. Yeah. Right here. Right here in uh, the the South Hills of Pittsburgh. Now, speaking of that, before we get into our first act and our first. uh, Yeah, it's a book episode. We have books. Before we get into that, this is just a little prequel. Um, So I had um, messaged you and I said I had something that would solve our uh, one of our problems. And it is also a thrift find. Um, So we are going over our first piece before the first act. Well, look, if you would if you would be okay with sharing, it could solve both of our problems. Yes. And oh, yes, I will. I will share. So what I'm looking (laughs) at is build your own boyfriend. Magnetic fun by Gans. Uh, where aware is Mr. Right? This is the packaging, by the way. You search for him all day and night, but don't despair. No need to fear. Your very own dream man is here. Change his clothes from head to toe. He's your favorite Romeo. 
When you tire of those dating scenes, go have fun with the man of your dreams. So what I'm looking at here is a magnetic man in a thong underwear. He has a six-pack. And these magnets, um, you could dress and build your very own boyfriend. So this man who is practically naked, you could put on five or six tops of his uh, you have two jeans, uh, he, boxers if you want underwear, shoes, and everything like that. So I'm going to open this up and hand it over because I have not opened it up. Can I see that logo real quick? Yeah. Uh, when you said GANS, something floating Gans. back. GANS. G-A-N-Z? Yes. Um, GANS. I think you missed the age of Webkins. Um, no, I didn't. Um, I, yes, I did, but I was an adult, but I do know what Webkins are. Webkins were manufactured by Gans. Gans did Webkins. Yes. Okay. Yeah. What you said, and I was like, Gans brings something back inside me. I just looked it up, and yes, this is the same company that produced Webkins. Shopkins are they the same thing? I have no idea. Shopkins were way beyond me. Okay. Shopkins are for like the children of this generation, so I'm not sure. So I opened this up, and it's a sheet of magnet. And I'll tell you what, it's heavier than you thought. Um, so I'm going to give you the sheet. The man is puncturing out of it. Whoa. And it's a little, it's heavier than you thought. It kind of is. Um, so what I thought would be fun is for the cover art of the episode, and we can do this after we record the cover art of this episode. I thought it would be cool if you build your own boyfriend and you dressed your own boyfriend and you put it on my fridge I and then that. I take a picture, and then I build my own and take a picture, and that's the cover art. Um, I don't think that I'm going to build my ideal. Well, there's um, no ideal um, in that, but... Um, yeah, well, that, well, that's why I mentioned it. <laughs> yeah, so we have to pick from what's there, but... Um, yeah, just go over the things you're picking for Build Your Own um, Boyfriend. For sure. So I have, um, I have a pair of socks currently on him. Um, and then there's a pair of sandals, not like a not like a thong sandal, but like an over over the foot sandal, like a slide. So those are both on him. Um, That's a good look right there with just the thong, and then the tube socks, and yeah. then the sandals. In fact, that even may be your ideal boyfriend. Just that. That I mean, honestly, it doesn't kind of good. Yeah. Um, I am going to see if I can layer some more because that's very interesting to me. Every mm-hmm. time as a child, I had actually something like this, um, but it was like fabric and you lowered a piece of wood and then it like took its shape. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And I would always love to layer things. So mm-hmm. I'm going to see if I can layer this smiley face top with this vest. And I think that I can. Because we have like four or five tops. We have two Whoa. or three pairs of jeans. Different color shoes. We have superhero costumes. So we are putting, we are physically putting the magnets of their clothes on this uh, man to build our own boyfriend before we get to the books of this episode. Yeah, I think, well, let me try some things out. Um, Layering is going really well for me. I will update. Um, In which, so there's a shirt that says Mr. Right. Um. So you are putting Mr. Right on, and then over top of it, you are putting a brown You vest. know, I think, though, I think I'm going to go with the red with the brown. Okay. Um, it's like a red polo shirt, and I'm just going to cover up that kind of cuff with this vest so you don't have, like, a double 
um yeah neck moment sure sure um uh, the pants to go with what it's you very picked. upsetting because there's only there's like a dark blue pant and a light blue pant there's a red short there's a uh right and wed right and wed white and red striped boxer and then there's a heart print boxer yeah um so here's an interesting thing so i understand they couldn't make the man naked right i understand that um but the man is wearing a thong and that's just it's a thong and nothing else and you put clothes on him but you put boxers over the thong yeah and then pants over the boxers. I'm going to actually... You're, you scrub the top, so it... Worked. I did, because here's my thinking. Is that I want the top to go over the pants. So I think I have to put the pants on first. Yeah, put the um, pants on first. So you have the man now is wearing uh, heart boxers. So he's wearing heart boxers, similar to the boxers that uh, your character can wear in Fall Guys. If yeah. you play Fall Guys for PlayStation Speaking 4. Speaking of Fall Guys, Season 2 starts the day before City Paper announces their winners. Wow. So that's pretty cool. And 9-11 is tomorrow. A lot of things coming up. A lot of things coming uh, up. So I the put the heart boxers with the dark blue pants. But then I think I'm going to put the socks over the pants. I think it's going to be my look. I think Socks I'm going to tuck over them. over the pants. Because um, I would like to cuff these pants, but I don't want to break the magnet is my thing. Yeah. I would cuff them, but you just have to imagine that they are yeah. because I, I'm not breaking well, the magnet. Well, they're up to is with those socks over the pants, it does at least look like the pants are rolled up to a cuff. Like a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So we have the vest over that. Um, the problem for me is is the head. Because the heads that we have to pick from is like a muscular guy with short dark hair and a muscular guy with light hair. And I and honestly, it. it's not really my type. But what I think I am gonna do is just put sunglasses on top of his head. Yeah, as like not not like a not. Yeah, he has those. But he he's has not them, but them. he's not exactly. He yeah. has them, but he's not wearing them. Because I don't want to put him in the cowboy hat. Yeah. Or there's this very lovely baseball cap that has, like, this black square in the middle. Um, mm. So that that would be yours. So this could be mine. You know, I might um, switch to just a little something fun for... Um, maybe he's going to, like, a dance. Okay. But he doesn't want to be too formal. Um, so he's just going um, to put that tie on. Over top. Over the of vest. everything, so yeah. we have a red polo. So a he's brown just gonna—he's just gonna kind of throw it on, mm-hmm. if you can imagine it, like tucked under the collar, so it's like very loose. Yeah, um, yeah. He's going. Yeah, it's like you know, um, he got invited out, but he's not sure of the vibe. I think so. He has a red polo on, a brown vest over it, a baggy black tie. Yeah. Um. His pants are the green pants. Now he has the socks over the pants because they're the supposed sandals. to be cuffed. Yeah, supposed to be cuffed with the socks and sandals. Rocking soccer socks with sandals, like yeah, bro. Yeah. Um. So this was yours, and you could put this on the fridge later, and we'll take a picture of it. Love now, to see it. Mine, please, um, please indulge me. Yeah, I will indulge you with mine. Now my pick. Um. Let me give you the Mr. Right shirt that fell off. Yeah, immediately I I always 
kind of know what I want. Um, so here we are. And by the way, just like you had said with this guy for sure, this magnet man that we're dressing. Mm-hmm. No, none Not of my this type. is. Yeah, Not none of this type. is really. But <laughs> from what we're picking from is so he's going to wear a tank top. Uh, no, actually, just because of of how these line up. Um, so he's going to be wearing a, a basically a uh, punk jacket. So he's going to wear a punk yeah, jacket. Yeah, get that greaser leather jacket. So the leather jacket with a bunch of zippers. And then under that, but just for magnet purposes, over it, he will cool. be wearing a white tank top with a smiley face on it. And then for pants, cool. he actually is going to wear the same pants as uh, your guy does. For listeners, um, it does look like now the jacket is open face. Yes. So that's cool. And that's the purpose. As where it, 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 it was kind of drawn shut before. It, it was now drawn looks open shut. face thanks to layering. Yes. Yeah, so thanks to layering and also God. Um, so of the, course, blessed be. Um, the leather jacket with zippers is underneath and then the tank top is over top of that. So it looks like the, the jacket is open. Mm-hmm. I'm using the same pants as you did. And then I just want a man in plain black shoes. Well, I think what's interesting, I don't know if you, so you put the pants on top of the shirt. Yeah. In which we already went over that I took off the shirt so I could put the pants under them. Yeah. Are you tucking the jacket and the top? Or are you tucking the The top top and then the jacket is over Flowing, yes. Very cool. Okay. I'm a tucker inner. I tuck all my shirts in. Yeah, I, I understand. For that's just who I am. Um, I don't know what that deal is, but I'm sure that's something. But yeah, I'll tuck that shirt in. Any head stuff going on with him? No. No heads? Not even a backwards baseball cap? No. No. Very interesting. I did think you were going to turn that. Well, here's the thing. This is a guy. I Mm -hmm. I don't want a guy in a backwards baseball cap. I'm sorry. You say as a guy with a backwards baseball cap. Sure. So you do not want what you're putting out. Oh, God, no. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding me? Uh, um, the age-old question of, like, would you bang yourself? No. Um, I no. Asked, oh, absolutely. No. Yes. <laughs> Let me at me. No. I think no. I might be the only person I would bang at this point. Well, I'm, well, let's. <laughs> well, well, I was going to say, I am the only person I um, bang at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, as an asexual, yeah. But, like, if there was another me, yeah. that would probably be the only other person that I would have sex with. No, 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 no. If I saw me out in the street, would not trust me. I would get a piece of that. I would not trust me. No. I'm up to something. No. Oh, you know that I'm up to something, but yeah. I would definitely be into whatever I'm up to. Yeah. So this has went 20 minutes, which is interesting. So God that's damn. Fun. Well, very cool. You're going to have a lot of fun editing this one. I think I'm just going to leave it. So this is cool. the longest we've ever made it before getting into Act 1. But you know what? It's fine. So we're um, for the majority of every- See, here's an interesting thing. I meant to put the Magnet Man on the ground, and I put my notes on the ground. Cute. So that's a weird thing. So let's get into it. We're going to get into our first act in our curated thrift haul today. Besides the Magnet Man... Something you've never seen before. For new listeners to the show, uh, something you've never seen before, it's Act 1. 
we take a look at a curated thrift haul that we put together. And then after uh, talking about our items, we ask each other educated questions. Multiple choice, A, B, C, and D. D is none of the above. And the points we collect, we collect them to the end of the episode and see who wins. So, Prin, we're talking about books today. And I wanted to bust out a book that I have actually had for a little while. And by a little while, I mean at least a year and a half. And it was something that I talked about on one of the early episodes of Thrifty, like early, early episode of Thrifty. But I didn't get into the specifics of it because it was put in at like an end of a something. So I wanted to get into our first book today, which is The Monster Manual, A Complete Guide to Your Favorite Creatures. And it's by Eric Ballinger. Um, I had looked up Eric just to see what Eric was up to. Um, Eric, um, is dead. Don't worry Um, about it. Yeah. Don't worry about it, sweetheart. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so Eric, unfortunately has passed away in in 2002, but, um, this book came out in 1994, but like this monster manual, which is so cute inside and also so good. Um, he's, he's made a detective, uh, type manual as well so did for detective stuff oh like clues and hints and things like that that's cute and that lore now it's not as thick as this one but it's like that whole yeah that whole subgenre of uh entertainment or Mm -hmm. literature um so um in this monster manual one thing that did annoy me was the fact that there is no table of contents at all. Oof. Now, it's in alphabetical order. So you could just be like, you could do it like you do anything. You're like, M oh. for Mothra. Like, yeah. Yeah. So like, oh, I want to see mummies. Let's go to MU. So that's that's a possibility, but there's no table of contents. But um, I wanted to bring up something that I haven't heard of before. Um, and it's called uh, Hullabat. Uh, Hullabub Bash. Hullabub Bash. Hullabub Bash. Yes. And it's not something in is a... Is this mon- a monster? Like, this is a, an individual monster? Or is this a monster event? This is a monster event. Okay. And it's the combination of Hullabaloo and Hubbub. So it's a Hullabub Bash. Um, I so don't know where they're getting the bash from. Just for fun. Um, so this is actually on page uh, 57 of the Monster Manual, um, and it reads like this. If you think that monsters can do whatever they like, then you're wrong. In social situations, they have to behave according to strict rules of etiquette. Just as we are taught to nicely greet our aunt or grandmother with a gentle kiss on the cheek or an inquiry about her health, monsters with manners must pluck a few hairs from their aunt's chins. While grossly burping their greetings. And that's that's the bash? It's only a question of decency. Um, so the guidelines for giving a gigantic hullabub bash is for proper for the proper celebration of this social occasion, it is of utmost importance to have an orderly, clean an elegant apartment or house at your disposal. Shout out Eric! Uh, shout out Eric Bollinger for writing apartment before house because not all of us are homeowners. That's nice of him. Yeah, but it does count me out because my place. Uh... It's also kind of in between. It's kind of in between. Um, well, I was gonna say it looks like it's been um, burgled. 
Yeah, yeah, your house looks like it's been burglarized. Yeah, it's no... not been having a good time. Uh, furthermore, care should be taken. Invite at least third, and this is this is what you do. Invite at least thirty full-blooded monsters from families of high social standing. After greeting the guests ceremoniously, have your guests register in the guest book. Ask each new arrival to dunk its hand in the mustard or ketchup container set up for this purpose. Then slap it on the the tablet as its signature on the white surface. It's then time for the quite popular and entertaining game High Flying Fracas. High (laughs) Flying Fracas, you ask? What's that? Each guest tries to cross the room without touching the floor. The athletic monster, for example, leads gracefully from cupboard to coat rack, swings from curtain rod to sofa, and with the aid of a crystal chandelier, climbs to the top of the potted palm, the one which smashes the most porcelain in the process, is the winner. So basically, the floor is lava, and what you stand on, if you bust it the fuck up and still make it to the end, you're the best monster. Pretty sick. So I've got ton of questions here, huh? Uh-huh. So it actually, I was going to stop you when it put apartment before house and then said high society. Interesting, right? Um, high society. As you said, I am somewhere in between a, an apartment and a house and a row house. And I will tell you very confidently, I know absolutely nobody high society. Here's a here's the thing. Maybe he meant high society. <laughs> huh? He meant, he meant drugs? Maybe weed. A little 420. Whoa! I don't know. Probably not. But In my good Christian home? In your good Christian apartment almost home, yeah. In between. We're all in between. <laughs> um, limbo. So that is the hullabub bash. And also during the hullabub bash, there is a dance course where with uh, with monsters here. And it's the uh, the hullabub bash tango. So, well, no. Okay. I also have a question about um, are you selected to host this? Because um, it seems like a punishment if people are just going to be running around smashing your shit. Not if you're a monster, apparently. That's it, the, it's the it, But is, like, cleaning fun for a monster? Yes. Or, you are, like, you could just eat the glass and it's fine? I think you just pass on to your next, like, whatever. You just bust you up your you shit. You you party so hard you die? Yeah. And then you go to your next hullabaloo bash? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty... I mean, think about it. Interesting I, to consider. I mean, death isn't the worst thing that could happen. Rendered me speechless for a second. Yeah, but um, so basically, yeah, you just jump on all the furniture and bust everything up. But if you get to the other side of the room um, during this, it's it's good. And recently on Netflix, as you know, is there's a TV show called The Floor is Lava where it has a bunch of normal families working together to win. I watch that and cry. Um, <laughs> I <laughs> I didn't know that families like touched or hugged each other a lot. Um, um, so we'll have to talk to my therapist about that. Yeah, I mean, the craziest part about watching that show with you is that I was literally psychotic that day, and I kept asking you if it was motion captured. 
That um, was a- and your thing was that you were like families love each other, and I'm like I don't know, I'm psychotic. Like yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I love my parents. What's up? I'm psychotic. Yeah, you immediately were just like, oh, so CGI, huh? CGI. And- yeah, I was like, this is animated. This isn't real. And I'm um, like, Bru- uh, there's. People. I think that might be the first time I was psychotic around you. So that's cool. Doubt it. Mental health um, awareness week. <laughs> so the the uh, the tango. So the hullabaloo bash tango. Is you take three steps to the right, three steps to the left, and this is like what you just 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 a part of the part of the night. Okay, I'm um, trying to make a song from it. So keep going. So yeah, you take three steps to the right, three steps to the left. You turn like you spin around, and you stomp one foot, and then stomp the other foot, and then you roar, and then you jump, and then you land. Um, unfortunately for the monster picture, the monster uh, busted through the floor. But if you do bust through the floor, it is okay. It is there's there is nothing. It might be wrong. more points because you. I mean, if sure. if the goal is to die at this party, yeah, it might be more points. So it's like three steps to the right, three steps to the left, three to the right, three to turn the left. Turn all around. Turn all around. Stomp. stomp both your feet and jump through the floor. Yeah, you got it. <clears throat> and that was uh, the hullabaloo bash from the monster manual. And uh, lit. yeah, so it's A through Z and it's all kinds of stuff. And even on the back, it says with the monster manual, you'll learn how to identify, approach and tame the most hideous beasts. Find out which monsters are friendly and which to avoid from comic book creatures to the ghouls on the silver screen. Um, so that was my first book for today. It's a hardcover. And so I want to jump into my first uh, trivia question for you. Let me um, at it. And this is uh, your first multiple choice here. And it, uh, it, it, it doesn't have to do – it has to do – it's monster adjacent. So it doesn't have to do with the book because obviously it's a new book to you. So this is monster adjacent. And uh, Halloween, October, is a month away. So this is kind of uh, what's that uh, adjacent to. In southeastern Europe, what is said to happen to pumpkins if they are left out for more than 10 days? Now, of course, it's A, B, C, or D. So in southeastern Europe, what is said to happen to pumpkins if they are left out more than 10 days? A, turn into vampires. B, make a gooey putrid potion. C, sprout feet and run away. Or D, I made all of those up, and it is none of the above. Once again, in southeastern Europe, what is said to happen to pumpkins if they are left out more than 10 days? A, turn into vampires. B, make a gooey putrid potion. C, sprout feet and run away. Or D, none of the above. What is your thought process here? I am absolutely geographically challenged. Sure. So, um... I'm like, where is Southeastern Europe? It's is it o- like Italy. It's it's over there and down. Mm-hmm. Over there and down. What happens to pumpies there? I, what look, is said to happen to pumpies there? Turn into vampires, make a gooey putrid potion, sprout feet and run away. Or I made all this up, the none of the above. I'm gonna. I honestly am gonna. Um, I do think you made them up, but I'm going to play into the game and say that they sprout feet. Ooh, 
Oh, okay. So you're saying that you thought it was D, but you're going to say C anyway. Yeah, because I think that's more fun. Fair enough. So um, in Southeastern Europe, what is said to happen to pumpkins if they are left out more than 10 days? You said C, sprout feet and run away. The correct answer is A, turn into vampires. Very interesting. So you don't want to leave your pumpkins on the porch for too long. Pumpires. Because they will turn into literal vampires. That's going to stop me from doing it. We don't want any of that going on. Do we want vampires going on out there? No. So, unfortunately, you did not get a point in that one. Devastating. But, yeah, for sure. Painful. Um, I have, I think, lost like four episodes in a row. Um, so, okay. I wouldn't worry. Um, so, yeah, let's get on to your first piece for this week's Curated Thrift Hall. Okay. Um, I think that I am going to start... I think I'm going to start a little deeper think i'm gonna oh, dive sure. a little bit deeper than yeah. the monsters well now. you had you um your um, first piece is very cool and that's why i went lighter because I, I i wanted to have some yeah a little bit of both oh yeah i mean i'll end on my lighter one but I'll, I'll start with the heavy one um which is the limits of american capitalism by robert l highbronner um and this is one of the four books that made me a communist. Damn it. Um, <laughs> so there's very cool things that are going on in which uh, my parents are incredibly liberal, which is great because I don't have to explain as many things to them. Um, but they do believe uh, in our electoral system and our politics and, and such. And obviously in school, they don't teach you about anything but how good... Um, like nationalism is uh, when you live in America, alcohol, right? This is my alcohol. Yeah, that's yours. Okay, go on. That's yours. Um, so this was one of the four. Um, the so the the four books were the Communist Manifesto. Duh, you got to start somewhere. Um, it was Marx and the Marxists, which then uh, detailed into the Communist Manifesto and how it had been used by different people for like different positions of power, which is very interesting. Um, it was actually nationalism and what it means, uh, which explored how America has basically like the most nationalist sense yeah. of anyone. And like, we are so proud of America to be American that we have literally made the world America centric to us. And that's what you know? we kind of talked about while we were recording. Yeah. Before recording, I, I, we were talking about like, yeah, I was in eighth grade, and that's when I realized that we were the bad guys. Yeah, that, like, um, America is not like, oh, America, but it's yeah. like, oh, man. Yeah, we we're the are, bad guys here. We literally go out, and um, we prey on 18-year-olds in poor uh, situations to go be terrorists in other countries. But if they come back alive, we will give them housing and school. And I guess, update, if if they don't, and they unfortunately pass away. Um, they're losers, says uh, our current. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> a rough. Losers. Take. It's a rough take. It's rough. Anyway, uh, go on. Um, all right. So uh, Robert L. Highbronner, um, of the the writer of the Limits of American Capitalism, he's written about twenty other books. Um, he's most known for a book that basically. Uh, compounds the ideology of, like, a lot of different thinkers. Um, I never read it, so mm -hmm. I'm not going to talk about it. 
Yeah. Uh, this dude was 85 when he died in 2005, which is like, That's whoa, good... he has been around for a minute. Yeah. Um, so he actually served in the army in World War II. Um, and then in 1963, he came out, not came out. I was going to say he came out with a PhD. <laughs> like, I'm like, uh, mom, dad, I'm a PhD. Like, <laughs> um, that would have no. been cool. Cause I came so... out on, I came out on television. So coming out <laughs> with a PhD on television would have been, would have been kind of, would have been a cool card to play. Yeah. Um, but no, in 1963, he, uh, achieved a PhD in economics and then went on to write 20 books of which this is one of them. Um, the first part of the book is literally called um, Capitalism in America. There's two parts of this book. There's literally like two chapters to this book. And the first one is Capitalism in America, which explains then at 1965, like what was going on. And, um, you know, obviously like the Red Scare was like of like, oh, communism scary and mm-hmm. it's bad. Um, that that was a lot more prevalent back then than it is now. Um, now communism is just kind of like that dirty word. Um, but it's not like, it's not like it was. Um, the first part explores capitalism in America. And then the second part goes back and it addresses each part of capitalism that has limitations to it. Everything that is wrong with capitalism, everything that is wrong with, um, basically the fundamental need for money. Mm-hmm. Um and how like he goes through how we can fix different things like that like wage gaps and inequality and I had showed you before we started um and it is it it you'd think it'd be a lot more dated than it yeah, is really, and it really is would. not it is not it um, is not dated as you'd hope but like you know for like it's like for sales workers which would be like retail workers um like white men would be making like six k. Sure, sure. The dollar, uh, the the value of the dollar has changed, but the differential between of what it means, yes, yes. is the same. Um, and and uh, like a non-white man would be making four thousand dollars. So you can even see like the income inequality there. And as the inflation of the the dollar has just gotten to absolutely absolutely ridiculous proportions. and that's the only thing that has changed but you're um, there with the two thousand dollar gap that seems if anything uh <laughs> like if you if you imagine what that would be yeah now those rights have not changed but inflation has yes um so everything you're seeing in this book from like 1965 is still absolutely incredibly current because we've never addressed or fixed anything about our capitalist society so at this point it's just falling in on us because it, we never did anything about it and for the the people that it benefits the the people that it benefits are in power so it it does not benefit them to fix it yeah exactly so and we didn't yeah, um, and in 1989, he wrote a New Yorker article about how, um, so he had always, like, identified as a socialist and had pretty socialist, uh, like, ideology, um, but he wrote in in the New Yorker saying that uh, capitalism organizes material affairs of humankind more satisfactorily than socialism, um, and he dove into that quote to say that, like, when we can divide our money we feel better about the money. 
Yeah. As opposed to like when you pay into taxes and you're like, well, where is my money going? And there's just a lot of like unknown factors. We like it better when we can track it essentially. And sure. capitalism is essentially just tracking that. Um, and then Receipts just a few years and... after that. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now like when, when we're, there's like a chain shortage and they're trying to like transfer to like a credit only society, which is very harmful to poor people um, and would be horrible for the economy, but they don't care because they can use credit all the time and it doesn't matter to them. Um, a few years later, in 1992, he wrote that um, capitalism has been an unmistakable success and socialism has been a failure. Um, so the man who wrote from an insider perspective of going to war as a young child and basically being like a pawn for the United States and what he had learned from that and um, the economic gain and downfall from that had said that like, we can't, we cannot implore socialism because people are too selfish because like that was that in that quote, he is like, yeah, capitalism has been a success because we are too selfish and greedy as people to share things. Um, And he went on to like, applaud people who had like stood like stood by the free market and different um different things that he had been opposed to um earlier in his career but then when he was asked to basically make like an ideal model of capitalism when he had switched from being a social literally identifying as a socialist to identifying as a capitalist Capitalist, um they were like okay so what's your ideal model of capitalism um and he uh his direct quote was that it's a slightly idealized Sweden, um, and what he what he well, that's inter- it's okay. very interesting, yeah. <laughs> um, especially because Sweden at the time um, and still could be considered a welfare state, in which um, it mm-hmm. is essentially socialist run. Uh, a lot of it, like um, for for Americans, they would think about Canada before they would think about Sweden because they're like, oh, free healthcare and different things like that. But it's not exactly free. You all pay into it. It's just that you all also have a right to it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, his... as a as a citizen, like yes. you have the advantage of dot 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 dot. Right. Like yeah. because you live here, you have the right to live here. And in living here, that means you have the right to medical care, you have the right to food, you have the right to housing, you have the right to basically um, be supported enough that you can foster yourself as a human being. Yeah. Um, be an individual. Yes, like, exactly. In society. Exactly. In to, society. like, be independent, yeah. like, um, with, with, the, with, like, wage discrimination and the gap the way it is, like, the, the welfare state really is kind of the ideal model for a country that a lot of countries are doing very well on. Um, So it's just very interesting that he was like, no, I'm a capitalist now, but essentially like a welfare state is what I would like capitalism to be. Mm -hmm. Um, So even in his like most capitalist time, he was still genuinely a socialist. And we see candidates like the most, the most mainstream would be, we see candidates like Bernie Sanders pushing to like do different things like that to bring things back to, um, that sort of ideology. A more, yeah, a more equal playing field for people. Uh, and I think everybody has seen that thing that it's like equality versus equity. 
uh, that equity is like there's three people and they're trying to look over a fence and they get the same like height block and you know two people can't see over and one pe- person sees over like way too well and then equality is like actually getting the accommodations you need to be able to be on the same level as everyone else mm-hmm. so if if you say perchance or not there is something that is like a step stool so you can see the yes. same you could see the same thing as the, yeah, the same playing field yeah yeah, yeah. um so this leads me to my first question. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked a lot about how the inflation of the dollar has changed. Yeah. Uh, and after this question, I will give you the exact percentage because that was actually like astonishing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but my question is, uh, if you had $100 in mm-hmm. 1965, how much do you think that would be worth now in 2020? Okay. Okay. That's fun. That's my first Thrifty trivia trivia question. Okay. Um, A would be $307.42. Okay. B would be $1,062.17. C would be $548.07. And D would be $824.16. So I did the exact ones there, but I'll... I'll yeah. slow it down a little. If you had like a hundred dollars in nineteen sixty five, you're magically teleported to twenty twenty. How much would that be worth for you? Around three hundred dollars, around a thousand dollars, around five hundred and fifty dollars, or around eight hundred dollars? Um The problem with that is it's sad. Um Overall, um, I think that it is a pretty gracious amount. Um, I'm going to answer that one. I hope it's not B, but I'm going to say D. In this case scenario, I'm going to say around $800 is what I will say. You are correct. Okay. You are correct. Um, Because the exact inflation percentage, uh, if we're taking like, if you put... One dollar in like 1965 as 1%. That is what we're rating the inflation on. 724.16%. That's a tough break. Is essentially like how much less our dollar is worth. Because if you think about inflation, it really is. It's not how much more it's worth. It's how little our currency has value anymore. (sighs) Yeah, and unfortunately, I do get a point. And you I do. Am, I am right, point. but like <laughs> it it's a sad be right. point because I was like, I think that seems like that's where it was, and then I uh, I was right. Okay, well, yeah. cool. I have maybe the saddest point, but I do have a point. Um, and now switching. So is winning better, or is being? Or is winning correctly better? Really? Winning better. Oh, right. Um, Well, then you don't have to feel bad about it. Yeah. So from that important piece of literature and also that important piece of information comes another very valid, very important information here on on this. I would actually say probably more important than anything I just went over. Yeah. I would say even – yeah, for sure. Like definite – like 
leagues yeah. ahead. So um, what we're looking at here is Race to the Rumble from 2011 by Tracy West. Um, and Tracy West have written over 200 books for children. We're talking about Pokemon. We're talking about Sponge Robert. We're talking about t- Teen Titans. <laughs> We're talking about Powerpuff Girls. We're talking about her own series called Pixie Tricks. But in my hand right now, Race to the Rumble is a WWE Choose Your Own Adventure paperback book um, with Ray Mysterio on the front of it screaming his brains out. Now, I'm not asking the question now because there's so much more before we get to the question. You're going to go on your own Rumble adventure here. But I will let you know that the question I have for you isn't a wrestling-specific question. It's not a, like, who is this guy in the... No, it's like an adjacent question. But I want to get to the book proper. Now, this Choose Your Own Adventure Race to the Rumble WWE paperback book. There is a match in the WWE called the Royal Rumble. Now, what the Royal Rumble is, is there's 30 participants. Um, Every minute or so, um, a new participant comes into the ring, and they race out, and they run into the ring, and they're added to the fray. Um, How you are eliminated in this match is you are thrown over the top rope, So the advantage of having a later number in the Rumble is greater because all you have to do to win the Rumble is being the last person standing. So if you would draw, say, number 7 in comparison to number 28, obviously number 28, you're in there a shorter time so you have the bigger benefit. The reason why I'm explaining that is because this book, whatever adventure we go on, I don't know what adventure we will go on. So I wanted to explain the rules of a Royal Rumble if it was ever in question. Okay. I don't know if it will be, but I wanted to explain that in that way. So um, we're I'm going to read it. And when it comes to choosing your own adventure, um, you could choose the page number. Um, so here we go. WWE Race to the Rumble. Wham! Your back slams against the mat after your opponent surprises you with a powerful clothesline to the chest. He's knocked the win out of you, but you recover quickly. You jump to your feet and then duck to avoid a kick. You head for the corner turnbuckle, quickly climbing to the top rope. You can't run from me, you chicken, shouts Blockhead, your opponent. He's a big brute, and he's got a filthy mind. Weird. Um, You know you'll never beat him on the mat, so you take it to the ropes. Blockhead charges you, but you dive off the ropes and perform a frog splash. A frog splash is basically the person is on the mat, and you jump off the top rope. Ribbit, ribbit. Um, That's not in the text. I'm just explaining that. Thank um, you, because I just do. I do not know, and you know that. Yeah, you bring your arms and legs together, then open them wide as you make impact. See what that sentence is isn't as good as I explained it. Um, <laughs> blockhead slam that sounded like erotica. 
I'm yeah, like, right. That weird. You bring your arms and legs together, and then open them wide as you make impact. No, thank you. Yeah. So Blockhead slams into the mat, and you quickly apply your weight to his shoulders, pinning him down. The ref begins to count: one, two, three. Ding, ding, ding. The bell rings. You're the winner of the match. On to page two. Crazy. I didn't even get to choose anything, and I'm already winning. Well, my opinion of this is well, they're setting you up to be a big superstar. So you being the big superstar you are, you have a chance at the Royal Rumble. So that's what it's kind of leading into. I'm giving Toddy lots of eyebrow stuff right now. Mm-hmm. Hey, great match, Mr. McMahon says. Boo. (laughs) Boo. He hands you a business card. To your surprise, it's got the WWE logo on it. Name's Pete. I scout for future superstars. For Mr. McMahon. I'm not Mr. McMahon. But I do know Mr. McMahon. How do you like an audition for him tomorrow? So you thought it was the guy. It's not, but he will introduce you. For real, you ask. It sounds too good to be true. For real, Pete assures you. He jots down the info on another card and hands it to you. See you tomorrow. You stand there staring at the card for a long time. It's your big chance. You remember something you saw on Monday Night Raw a few weeks ago. Mr. McMahon announced a special tournament for rookie superstars. The winner would get a slot in the Royal Rumble match. If Mr. McMahon likes you, you'll become a rookie superstar. You could enter the tournament and maybe even get into the Royal Rumble. Of all the WWE events, the Royal Rumble is your favorite. It's a 30-man battle royal, and that's since changed because it's a 30-person battle royal, but it's still not as equal as you'd want it to be. That's not in the text. I'm just reading and just thinking about it. Just subtext. Just subtext. You shake yourself out of your daydream. You've got an audition to get ready for. The next, afterno- the next afternoon, you show up at the gym for the tryout. Pete is there to greet you. He leads to you to a locker room where a bunch of other guys are getting ready to audition. So right away, you know how straight they are because they're all dressing in the same room and don't think it's gay. Um, some are bigger than you and some are smaller than you. By the way, side piece, straight people sometimes act way gayer than gay people because they, they, they are so straight that they don't realize what they are doing is interesting. Um, that's also not in the text. Well, absolutely can't relate, but I'd love to talk about it later. Sure, right? <coughs> um, Pete calls your name, and you leave the locker room and step into the gym. There's an athlete waiting in the ring for you who thinks to be the same height, who looks to be, not thinks, who looks to be the same height as you are. There's a bunch of guys in suits sitting in folding chairs around the ring, and one of them is literally Vis- Vince McMahon. He looks just like he does on TV. Your heart starts to pump quickly. This is Vince McMahon. You know this now. Okay, Pete says, when the bell rings, I I want you two guys in the ring to go at it. Gay, right? I'm the top. 
Show us your best moves. You climb into the ring and shake hands with your opponent. Ding, ding, ding. The match begins and you wrestle like you've never wrestled before. You break out of your best aerial moves, dominating your opponent from the air. (laughs) You even do... (laughs) You even do a shooting star press. Sidebar. What a shooting star press... What a shooting star press is, it's basically a backflip that you remember in the same... uh, It's basically a backflip that you remain in the position that you jumped at when you jumped. So you kind of like cartwheel over yourself and then it's just a regular regular old thing. Um, So you did that. Um, And it works. Very cool. After five minutes, Pete stops the match. Mr. McMahon nods at your opponent. Sorry, kid. Keep training. He says in his gruff voice, you take a deep breath. What will Mr. McMahon say about you? Nice moves, says the legendary WWE chairman. You're a solid athlete. Now let's see if you could connect with an audience. Imagine you're talking to a camera. And give me a monologue that tells me something about you. You freeze. You've been so busy training your body that you forget another important part of being a WWE superstar is your personality. Uh, you say nervously. Your palms start to sweat. Your mind races as you're trying to think of something creative to say. You're generally a good guy in the ring. You could do the whole hero thing. But bad guys could get popular really quickly. Should you try to make the audience like you or hate you, King Prin? If you deliver the monologue of a hero, turn to page 21. If you deliver the monologue of a villain, go to page 14. Do you want to be a hero or a villain, Prin? What do you want to be in your heart? Should I turn to page 21 to be a hero? No. You're going to be a villain here? Absolutely, yes. Villain here. So we're going to turn to page 14. Prin has now allied himself to be a villain. If I'm working for like an evil corporation, I might as well not front happy for them. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, a good call. Yeah, um, like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna act like a bad dude. Like I can't be a good guy in these circumstances. Like I might like, as well. well just... I work for a, a racist, sexist prick. I'm not gonna be a good guy. Yeah, like... not... <laughs> mm, yeah. You decide to take a chance and deliver a bad guy monologue. The only problem is you're not much of a bad guy. You search your brain for an idea. What makes you different than the other superstars? Then it hits you. You're gay. Nope, didn't suck. Oh, oh, uh, oh, (laughs) uh, oh, a little coming out. Then it hits you. You could use your young age and inexperience to your advantage. You look into an imaginary camera like Vince McMahon instructed you. Then you start riffing off the top of your head. Mr. McMahon, the reason you need me in WWE is because you need some young blood around here. When I tune in to watch Raw, I can't tell if I'm watching superstars or an antique show. 
superstars these days are out of touch. Most of them think Facebook is the name of a new wrestling move. Mr. McMahon seems to like what you're doing, so you keep going. <laughs> it's Does actually, he? It's actually kind of fun. Okay. He says. It's time to get the walkers and canes out of the ring, Mr. McMahon, you say in, col- in conclusion. It's true. It's time for something fresh. Mr. McMahon is nodding his head. That was great, he says. You've got, an a- you've got athletic skills and a personality to back it up. Pete was right. Congratulations. You are a WWE superstar. Woohoo! You Woo. jump in the air and cheer. You've been working hard for this day for years, and now it's finally here. We'll call you Johnny Fresh, he says. I'll have Pete work up the contracts. I want to get you on the road as soon as possible. Quick aside, I have imagined that Pete is Pete Wentz since the the very get. Pete Wentz a fallout boy. Pete very Wentz famous fallout man boy. Fallout boy. Yes. Well, huh. we'll see if he is. Um, so Definitely you are, is. So it's you canon are now. What they call a heel. You're a heel. You're a bad guy, and your name is Johnny Fresh. And you've impressed Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Full name. Full name. I... We'll call. You, oh yeah, I read that. The sound of a <laughs> the sound of a cell phone ringing interrupts him, and Mister McMahon reaches in his pocket to take the call. He nods. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He says, don't worry, I've got it covered. He flips his phone closed because it's 2011. Just took a hit out on somebody. Kid, this is your lucky day. Evan Bourne was supposed to face Tyler Rex tonight on SmackDown, but he sprained his knee during training. How fast could you get on a plane? As fast as you need me to, you answer. You're hard pounding. It's your first day as a superstar, and you're going to be on SmackDown? Just give the crowd some more of what you gave me today. You'll be fine. So you made it so far. He slams his phone closed. We got him, boys. Basically. Osama Bin Laden. Yeah. <laughs> we got him. We'll put him up against Tyler Rex. We'll pay him almost nothing. Uh, T-Rex, I get it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fucking corny. Yeah. I won't let you down, you promise. The rest of the day is a whirlwind. By the way, Tyler Rex was a real wrestler and lasted like a year. He did not do very well at all whatsoever, but he fucking made it to a book. I was going to say, I'm really proud of him for making it into this book then. And he is, he lasted a year, and when he was not in the WWE, he did not get any other work. But he made it into this book, and guess what? bad? Or just he wasn't anything special? Yeah. All More right. so, nah. yeah. It they're they're just like it's the way it goes. Uh, he was also a white guy with dreads. Well, you know what? Actually, I hope we do get to defeat him brutally. Yeah, um, but that's not the reason why he was turned down. Do I'm we sure. have an option to rip his dreads out? Let's see. Someone in the costume department suits you up in red shorts and black wrestling boots. Then you meet Tyler Rex before the match. You've always been a fan of this laid-back surfer dude. It's pretty cool to meet him in person. Nice to meet you, he says. So, do you know what you're doing out there? Mr. McMahon thinks I do, you say confidently. Before you know it, the announcer calls you out into the ring, presenting, for the first time on SmackDown, 
Johnny, Johnny Fresh. Fresh, 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 Basically, fresh, Basically, the crowd doesn't know what to make of you. They've never seen you before, after all. When Tyler Rex comes out, they go crazy. They never did, by the way. They never did. They, that's <laughs> no one. No one Man. knows. And I was surprised to even read that name. Was this book his, like, his supposed big break? Like, they were really kind of pushing for him, that like, at the month. time? Yeah. That month! <laughs> because the WWE is so finicky like that, is Vince McMahon will be like, I like you, I'm going to give you some stuff, I'm going to push you to the moon, and then, like, one day he wakes up and goes like, Oh, never mind, actually, fuck you. Yeah, I don't know. Who? Oh, he's he works here. So New this contract, is, who does? Yeah, yeah. Like So the first month of Tyler Rex's push, I'm sure, was when like the writer of this book probably was like, who's, who's, what's your thing? Who's out there? Um, anyway, the crowd, oh yeah, duh. Easy now, old timer, you say. Here, let me show you how to work this thing. I know you old folks have a hard time with the new fangled technology. It's kind of a ridiculous. Rex isn't old, but that's what you that's what makes your attitude funny. It's super obnoxious. I am not old, Rex protests. By the way, he was not. He was my age at this time. Uh, well, it's ugh. rough for you, actually. Yeah, it's tough for me. Because uh, that is not old, but to call it old is rough. I mean, it's definitely not young, but it's I would absolutely... still say it's young. Yeah, well, yeah, I could still go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, you're definitely not fresh, you shoot back. Not like me, Johnny Fresh. I'm as fresh as they come. You pretend to sniff the air. Ah. Fresh to death, motherfucker. Come on. Ah, ah, smell the freshness. You can tell you've rattled Tyler Rex. He lunges for you even before the bell rings. He he reaches. You said, Smells like old dick in here. And he said, "Uh uh-uh. uh." <laughs> he reaches for your legs, and you figure he's going for one of his signature moves—a flapjack. Well, he'll toss you into the air like a pancake, so you land on your back. But today, really, is your lucky day. Rex loses his footing and slips. You quickly cover him, getting the pin. You win your first match because he fell over and you pinned him. You leave the ring with your arms in the air. So they predicted his career in one sentence, essentially. And that's what happened. Sucks. Probably by the end of Wait, this chapter. Wait, I forgot he had white dreads. It doesn't suck. I'm very happy about it. Probably by the end of the when this chapter was written, he was probably already off TV. So they're like, we got to like just bury this dude probably. He's not on TV anymore. Maybe you should have uh, stuck to a hairstyle that's appropriate for you. Backstage, the other superstars congratulate you. One of the other newcomers, a wrestler named It... Approaches the you. The clown? It the clown. Cool. Hey, Fresh. Want to go to a party after the event tonight, he asks? I hear a lot of big superstars will be there. We'll get to meet guys we've been fans of our whole lives. If you go back to your hotel room and hit the sack, go to page 27. If you go to the party, go to page 67. So you're going back to the hotel. I'm going to bed. Yeah, or are you going, going with to it, the clown? To Look, s- I gotta be real. You could have literally said, "Hey, this is the man of your dreams. 
if you're not going with him, you will be single for the rest of your life. And you're hitting And sack. also you will be miserable. And I will say, please let me go home. Well, please you did. Please let me go home. Well, you went to the hotel at least. It's tempting to go and hang out with your favorite WWE superstars. But you know if you play your cards right, you'll spend plenty of time with them during your long career in WWE. That sounds awesome, but I better not, you say. I've had a really long day, and I have to report for training tomorrow. Early the next morning, you show up at a local gym for some training. You meet your coach, Barry, a strong guy who's built like a bulldog. Barry works with you for hours, teaching you some new moves and helping you finesse the moves you already know. You need to pump up your aerial moves, Barry tells you. They need to be stronger if you want to take your opponents down to the mat. You take a break for lunch, and while you're eating, Pete walks in with a big smile on his face. You were great last night, he says, and Barry likes you too. Mr. McMahon's really happy. He wants, he wants me to tell you that you can compete for the newcomer slot Hold up. in the Royal Rumble. You made it. If I went back to my hotel last night. Yeah. And I was great last night. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I mean, Mr. McMahon a wants little you. Bit of, ah, ah, and Mr. a little bit of. Ah, Mr. McMahon wants you in the Royal it's Rumble. It's hot in here. He wants you in the Royal Rumble. He said it. So you've made it. You've I made also it. pegged him, but that's neither here nor there. So you've made two. You've made the two correct choices so far. Pretty cool. So you made it to the match. You jump out of your seat and start dancing around. The tournament begins next week, Pete tells you. You can work with Barry until then. Good luck. So, oh, actually, you have to win a tournament to get to the Royal Rumble. But the winner of the tournament gets to the Royal Rumble, so you're almost there. But it's obviously you pick two out of two correctly. I like how it was just don't like people and go home, which is what I do already. (laughs) Let's work on your frog splash, he suggests. That's the move you use the night Pete saw you compete. First, you make sure that your opponent is lying flat on his back with his head and feet pointing to the corners of the ring. Then you climb the opposite corner and leap off, extending your arm and legs like a frog at the last minute to cover your opponent's stomach. It puts you in a prime position to pin him and end the match. Barry recruits another wrestler. The newcomer you've met before, it, to help you train. You demonstrate your frog splash for Barry. It groans as you make contact. Not bad, Barry says, but you're supposed to be to be fresh, right? You should put your own twist on it. That sounds good to you. With Barry's help, you try a variation of a corkscrew frog splash where you make a 180-degree turn in mid-air. It adds some extra power, plus it looks really cool. Finally, the night of your first tournament match arrives. You'll be on SmackDown again. Wrestling, Zack Ryder. The Long Island Loudmouth is known for his purple headband, cocky attitude, and signature cry of, Woo-woo-woo, you know it. That's true. When the match begins, Ryder starts out strong. After pummeling him with your s- some uh, strategic kicks, he wraps his elbow around your head and drops to the ground so you hit your head. You're dizzy. But you're able to get up, 
before he could pin you. You counter with a clothesline that sends Ryder sprawling on the mat. You're losing, and you need a big comeback. Should you try your new corkscrew frog splash that you learned in your training with Barry? If you try the frog splash, turn to page 55. If you stick to your ground game, turn to page 69. Nice. Um, so Wow, that actually does influence my decision. So... Are you going to bring out the big guns to try to beat Zack Ryder in this first match in the tournament to be entered into the Royal Rumble? Or are you going to play uh, the ground game? So Frog Splash, 55. Ground game, 69. I just feel like I have to go with 69. 69. You're going to work on the ground game. Let's see what happens here. See what happens here. Something tells you that doing your new corkscrew frog splash wouldn't be a good idea right now. You need to focus on winning the match, not winning the crowd over. Ryder's down, so you take advantage of that. You sit down and twist his legs like a pretzel. Ryder struggles to get away, but he can't do it. He taps out, and you hear the bell ring. You have won the match. See, if somebody twisted me like a pretzel, I'd love it. You are already twisted like a pretzel. I've, yeah, twist me up. You've won your first match of the tournament. You're super confident. You have made all the right decisions so far. You cut down the rest of the newcomers in the tournament like a jungle explorer with a machete. That's an interesting thing. We could talk about that later. <laughs> You're going to the Royal Rumble. In the days leading up to the event, you train like you've never trained before. Finally, the night of the Royal Rumble arrives. You're in the arena, and it's filled with energy. And Pete Wentz comes in, and he says, Am I more than you bargained for yet? I've been dying to tell you you made it to Royal Rumble. You made all the right choices. So, weird weird sidebar from that. So, the song, the song Sugar... Sugar, Sugar we're, going we're going down. down. We're going down. Sugar, we're going down by Fallout Boy. Yes, that song came out the summer in between my high school year. Uh, no, no, no. I graduated high school. The summer after I graduated high school, I stayed with a friend of mine um, who was actually trans. As it turns out, it's Fallout Boy a trans thing. Maybe we'll dive into that. Yeah, that's a story we could get into. Um, but anyway, I I would be staying at their house, and um, I I would be sleeping on their floor. And at that time, they had a channel called Fuse, and it was like MTV mm-hmm. but cool. And they would put Fuse on and then pass out, and I would be on the floor, and I'd always feel weird, like you know, messing with their stuff. So Sugar were going down, played three times a night. Down, down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Down, down. In an area around. Yeah, like, yeah. Anyway, you've been on TV with WWE several times now, but this feels different. It's a big night. Championships are on the line, and one superstar will surpass 29 opponents to win the ultimate challenge of the Royal Rumble. It's chaotic in the locker room. As always, Mr. Man keeps the list of superstars who will be competing a secret. 
The order of when superstars enter the ring is a secret too. Your number you can get can play a big part in whether you win or lose. You look around trying to figure out who will be in the rumble with you. For the first time, you start to feel nervous. There are some real legends around you. You're just a rookie after all. What will happen if you go one-on-one with one of them inside of the ring? Unlike other matches, the announcer won't be calling out names. Pete shows up with a clipboard that contains the roster on it. When he taps you, you're in. You go to the ring. It's time for the Royal Rumble. The announcer cheers onto the mic. The crowd goes wild. Pete taps you on the shoulder. All right, kid, you're in. You freeze a minute. You've got the number one slot. Behind you, the other wrestlers start to laugh. You take a deep breath. I got this, you say. Then you step out into the arena. You stand in the ring, eyeing the arena entrance. A wrestler is going to walk out there and begin to fight you, for they're the number two in the Royal Rumble. And whoever it is, you'll be stuck one-on-one for 90 seconds until the next wrestler is arrived. Familiar theme music starts to play. You're about to fight. Your heart sinks as a wrestler steps into the arena. It's Big Show. Big Show. If you attack Big Show, turn to page 47. If you try to avoid him, go to page 8. So are you going to try to fight Big Show? Because you're number one, he's number two, this is your first challenge. You're going to try to fight him or avoid him? I'm going to save my energy. Yeah? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to avoid him. Because there, there's going to be a lot more people coming in. I cannot 20, attack every single yeah. one of them. Yeah. And it's early. You're number one. So yeah, you have absolutely. To last, you have to last 29 other superstars. I cannot be going at every single one of them, man. All right. So let's see what we got here. And the big show, got to say, he's big. No doubt there. Uh, I would have guessed. You start to sweat as the mammoth monster stomps down the aisle. Sure. You could be brave and attack him head on, but that would be foolish. If you want to win this rumble, you're going to have to stay alive for at least 90 seconds. Which That's correct. what I'm saying. Big Show is grinning as he climbs through the ropes. Let's see how fresh you really are, motherfucker. Nope, didn't say that. That was on Whoa, me. I was going to say, I thought you didn't. I said I thought that there was no swearing in oh, this book previously. That was just for fun. <laughs> he, he stomps after you. You dive to the mat and slide between his legs. The audience laughs. It's a cowardly move, but it'll keep you in the ring. Big Show growls and turns around, swatting at you. You quickly do a backflip to avoid him. It's the longest 90 seconds of your life. You flip and somersault all over the ring, avoiding Big Show. Finally, he manages to get a hold of you. He dangles you in the air by your ankles. Enough is enough, he says. Just in time. Mark Henry's music begins to play. The third entrant is about to enter the Royal Rumble. Big Show's head snaps toward the entrance and he lets you go. You drop to the mat, but you're relieved. Big Show has set his sights on Mark Henry, the world's strongest man. Next now, up... that was the goal. I will say, that was the goal to have number three come in and, and just say, you know what... It's a newbie fuck it. 
Yeah. That was That's the goal. exactly what happened. That yeah, that was that was my exact plan, and I'm so glad that the book is working with me. The next superstar enters the ring. Now, here's a little fun sidebar about this. So you and I, I've taken you to two wrestling events. Yes. One of them being an AEW wrestling event. Um, the superstar by the name of Cody Rhodes, he left the WWE and got and used his money and also um yeah he just got in bed with a bunch of rich people so he made his own company well this is before that the next superstar enters the ring it's cody rhodes son of the american dream dusty rhodes he's a solid competitor who's just about your size you and cody go at it bouncing off the ropes to deliver punches and kicks to each other Your adrenaline's really pumping, and you think you're starting to get the edge. But before you know it, it's time for yet another superstar. It's Evan Bourne, the superstar who injured his ankle that you replaced earlier on. You're a huge fan of his high-flying skills in the ring. You've always wanted to face him. But you almost got Cody eliminated. If you try to get Cody out of the ring, go to page 78. If you go after Evan, go to page 88. How are you feeling about your decision? Would you like to fight Cody or would you like to fight Evan Bourne? 78 will take you to Cody. 88 will take you to Evan Bourne. All right. I'm assuming that what Big Shot? Big Show? Big Show. Big Show is, is still, working with Mark Henry. It's still in the ring. Yeah. It's still in the ring. With Mark Henry. Yep. They're fighting. Mark Henry and Big Show are fighting. You are currently fighting Cody Rhodes. Evan Bourne is entering. Do you leave Cody? Who you almost have eliminated or go to Evan Bourne. I think I'm going to try to knock him out. Cody? Yeah. All right. If also because you... I know what his tattoos look like, IRL, and I would love neck. to just... Neck tattoo? Absolutely smush him like a bug. Wild tattoo on the neck. Awful. First tattoo he ever got was a neck tattoo. Awful. Weird. No self-respecting artist would ever do that. No. If you try to get Cody out, turn to page 78, and we are. So far, you've made every right decision. You've gone farther than I've ever gone. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. You decide to finish your business with Cody Rhodes first. Big Show is still in with Mark Henry. When Evan enters the ring, he spends some time sizing up the situation. Cody jumps up to deliver a drop kick to your chest. At the same moment, Mark Henry shoves Big Show, sending him staggering backward. You push Cody as hard as you can. He flies back, slamming into Big Show. The angry giant frowns when he turns and sees Cody has hit him. Before Cody can react, Big Show picks him up and tosses him over the rope. It worked. Now, you just have to take care of Evan Bourne. Then, yet another superstar enters the arena. This time, it's Million Dollar Man's son, Ted DiBiase. Um, quick sidebar, Ted DiBiase um, left wrestling and has uh, opened up a Christian camp. Like so, a conversion camp? Yeah, kind of. Well, it's more of a let's stay on track camp, but let's, let's kind of – let's stay on track camp, but – Let's let's can yeah. Anyway, 
He looks angry when he sees his former partner, Cody, sprawled on the floor. That gives you an idea. He did it, you cry, pointing at Evan. He... He did it. Evan Bourne did it. Angry, Ted chases after Evan to avenge his fallen partner. Once again, you've got a chance to rest for a few seconds. I'm a rat. Yep. Suddenly, another superstar enters the ring. It's Hornswoggle. And Hornswoggle, just to let you know some background information... Hornswoggle is a uh, little person. So Hornswoggle is now in the ring. The tough guy has slid into the ring without anyone noticing. That's bad, I gotta think, that sentence. Um, He's got a strong grip, and he tries to pull you out of the ring with him. You grab onto the rope, struggling to hold on. You call on your inner strength to break free of Hornswoggle's grasp. Then you reach for him and lift him over your head. So long, Hornswoggle, you say, tossing him over the ropes. You feel great. He's the first superstar you've eliminated on your own. When you turn back to the ring, you see a lot has gone on while you were busy with Hornswoggle. There's a lot more superstars than what you had imagined. How long was this fight going on? There's our truth and now Gold Dust. You run up and grab Gold Dust's legs, nodding to our truth. Together you get Gold Dust out of the ring, so you don't gotta worry about him. Then our truth of all people who just helped you comes after you. Yeah, that makes sense. If now you use your corkscrew frog splash, go to page thirty six. If you try a safer move, go to page 61. So this is one where... Are we going to see the corkscrew frog, frog splash on our truth Are yeah. you going? 61. So you're going to do it on Oh, him. yeah. I'm. You know what? I didn't risk it before. And it's the rumble. Uh, yeah. Since it gave me the opportunity to risk it, if it doesn't work, it'll gain points with the fans that I tried it. I'll tell you what. I'm looking at these pages here, and I, I haven't read them yet. I think you picked the right one again. Oh, my God. <laughs> this there, is crazy. There's 50-50, but we might end up reading a book tonight. Wow. And that's fine. And that's fine, because if you beat this, I've never have. I'm so excited. You're feeling confident in your frog splash. First, though, you've got to knock down our truth He tries to get you in a face lock, but you avoid him by stomping on his foot with all your might. As he hops up and down in the pain, you bounce off the rope to add some momentum to your next attack. Wham! You hit him with a clothesline. He stumbles and falls backwards. You don't have much time. As quickly as you can, you climb to the corner rope. You leap, corkscrewing in midair, then extending your arms and legs. The crowd goes wild. You slam into R-Truth and his body shakes from the impact. He's weak, but you still have to get him over to the top rope. It's not easy. You lift him up and push him over the top rope with all your might. To your amazement, he's he goes over the ropes. What? You've ousted our truth. Johnny wow. Fresh is really proving himself in the ring tonight, announcer Michael Cole says at the announcer's desk. You're feeling really proud. When you turn back to the ring, you see that that's a lot's been going on while you were busy with our truth. The great Kali 
has entered the ring along with Kane and The Miz. Kane's in the wrong place at the wrong time. The great Collie ousts him. Then he takes out both Mark Henry and Big Show. The big man is eliminating all the other big men. Now it's you, The Miz, and The Great Khali. There are three in the ring. The Miz nods at you, and you realize he wants to team up. If you take your chances alone, go to page 62. If you agree to team with The Miz to go after The Great Khali, turn to page 30. So are you going after The Great Khali alone or with The Miz? If I'm a newbie... You are. And somebody... Some... Some, like, big shot yeah. wants to pair up with me. Yeah. That probably means the big shot thinks we're going to do it. Uh-huh. So I'm going to trust him because he's been, he's been at it. He's there. He's been at it. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to go to page 30. We're going to team up with The Miz. Um, quick quick note on The Miz. The Miz, um, back forever ago, was on The Real World. Um, he was Mike. Interesting. He was Mike Mizanin. And this is, we're talking probably early 2000s. I'd have to check that logic there. Um, but yeah, he was, um, and he was on the real world as Mike Mizanin. And he had an alter ego that he called the Miz, that he would go into Miz mode and do Miz stuff. And it was like a big joke, everything like that. But like, we're talking 2020, like today. He joined the WWE back then. He's still there today, to Whoa. this day. So it wasn't just like Hocus wow. Pocus. Um. Now, well, do I mean congrats to him on the career? That's yeah. a lot. Do That's I a lot of years? Yeah. Do I like him? No, not really. I don't. No, not really. But no, yeah, he's he. Yeah, he's been doing it. Yeah, so. he, yeah, yeah. There, there's yeah, right. no issue there. Yeah, right. because he used to get a lot of heat because he came from reality television. Mm-hmm. But he's just like, bro. Yeah. You saw me on reta- re- reality television, but that doesn't mean that that's who I like. You mm-hmm. just saw me there. But I've been trying this for a while. So, but nobody really talks about that anymore because that was like, yeah, fucking 15 years ago now. So he was right for the record. The Great Collie is more than seven feet tall and 420 pounds. You and the Miz might be able to take him if you work together. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) You nod back to the Miz. Let's climb him, he tells you. We could launch an aerial attack and take him down from above. It sounds like a good idea to you. You and the Miz climb the top rope. Avoid climbing him. The Great Khali just sneers at you both. He reminds you of King Kong snatching planes from on top of the Empire State Building. He'll probably do the same to you. You think about climbing down, but you're too late. You feel a push from the side and you turn to see the Miz grinning face. He's taking you out now while you're on the top rope. It's every man for himself, the Miz says. That's right, you say. You may be going down, but you won't be doing it alone. You grab the Miz's ankle on your way down and pull him to the floor with you. What were they thinking? Jerry Lawler wonders. The end. The end. So I'll tell you what. You did eight times as better. As I have ever done. And I'm keeping it because it's going to be a longer episode. But usually when you're on, yeah. we do do longer episodes. Well, I mean, you're not having an episode next week. So maybe an extra long to fill the void. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. So you had made it probably, I would say, by context clues, pretty far. 
I think, honestly, I think that's like 80% of the way, if not 90. Yeah. I think it may have been the final three. I think, I think, yeah. I think if I picked the other one, I think I would have had like maybe one more choice left. <sighs> you um, were so close. That, honestly, that's not bad. I feel pretty satisfied by that. And, I fought a lot of guys as a noob. And the person who eliminated you, you took him out too. Yeah. I f- and he's that's, a big shot as that's we a pretty, just Yeah, that's a pretty I think that's a good ending. Thing. I think that if you the saw The Kingpin Kingprin win, it wins in his own way. Yeah, if you saw a rookie taken down like this huge guy yeah. in the rumble with him, you'd be like, "Oh, that's well a pretty sick it. move." Well into it. When he's number 1, you'd be like, "That's a pretty sick move." So yeah, That's a good run. Outside of the book, he's gaining fans. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. I'm doing well. So in I my think career. he did a good job. Yeah. yeah. So very um, cool. So that was my uh, wrestling. Uh, that was my race to the rumble, and you did race to the rumble. You got I in the did. rumble and didn't I got do too in bad. And I kicked ass. So far, so far in trivia, I have one point. You have no points. Yeah, but you can tie me here. Here is your thrifty trivia trivia point. Well, question. See if you can get the point. What is Dwayne The Rock Johnson's worst rated film on Rotten Tomatoes? So Dwayne Johnson is The Rock, is the fucking rock. What is his worst rated film by proxy on Rotten Tomatoes? A, Rampage from 2018. B, Baywatch from 2017, C, Gem and the Holograms from 2015, or D, none of the above. So what is his worst rated film? A, Rampage from 2018, B, Baywatch from 2017, or C, Gems and, C, Gem and the Holograms in 2015, or D, none of the above. What is your feelings on Dwayne, The Rock, Johnson? What is his worst-rated film? C is the only one I've never even begun to have heard of, which means that it is either an absolute fake name or... It's not. These are all real, for sure. Oh, okay, cool, which means that I've never heard of it, and um, I know most of The Rock movies. Like, I've heard of the other two, so it's probably that one. So you're going with C? Yeah. Um, so what is Dwayne The Rock Johnson's worst rated film on Rotten Tomatoes? Very famous wrestler, The Rock. You say C, Gem in the Holograms from 2015. Um, the answer is B, Baywatch from 2017. Yeah, interesting. It fucking stunk. Probably did, but I, I expect a nostalgia factor to kind of boost it a little bit. It got its rating. Yeah. 17%. That's balls. Yeah. That's balls. And as someone who passed with like 62% in high school, 17, yeah, you're not getting out of class there. Really bad. So no points. Uh, Just an aside, how long has it been since you saw the game plan with The Rock and Madison Pettis? I never saw it. What? No. It's a football movie. I don't... You think I just like... Blow it for all football? Yeah. Well, I do. I just haven't seen it. (laughs) 
<laughs> I haven't seen it. Okay, well, we're watching it. Probably not tonight, but, like, eventually, yes. Yeah. It's a really good movie. Well, it's not um, on the list, so it... No, it, 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 no it's a genuinely, like, very yeah. good movie. But it's been, like, six years since I've seen it. Yeah. And, um... I expected that to be a watch for you. Honestly. Well, sorry about that. No points, but you do have a second book. I do. Mm-hmm. This one's pretty exciting. Cool. Um, so the story behind this book is that uh, my uncle works for like like a secondhand bookstore, essentially. Um, but what he does is uh, he takes home like these like huge boxes of books um just so they can switch out the inventory or like whatever doesn't sell or like sometimes things are too damaged which might have been the case with this find as um there there's like a lot of things missing and um but it is an x-men pop-up book yeah and i had flipped through it and uh our mutual friend josh last call larkin I believe has either that one or something similar, but as the pop-up book, I was flipping through it. Tell you what, X-Men were popping up all the time. There, And it's, you know what? All right, so here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as I can tell, they only made four um, of this series. Yeah. And what it's called is the True Believers Retro Character Collection. Um, so number one was Spider-Man. This is number two. It's like the X-Men. Number three was Fantastic Four. And number four was the Hulk. Okay. Um, and. Yeah. I gotta say, the Fantastic Four one. Uh-huh. Absolutely tanked sales. And that's why there yeah. was only four of them. Yeah. It's because number three is the Fantastic Four. They were like, well, if four can bring it back as the Incredible Hulk. Yeah. Which was a boom. Mm-hmm. But not, not like enough. Spider-Man, yeah. not like the X, you know. So I think there could have been a lot more pop-up books. If uh, one, one is... kind of brought it down. But yeah, Fantastic Four. Um, Same with in theaters. Yeah, you know, actually, the interesting thing is that Fantastic Four is like the the lowest seller of all these books. And the highest price I could find someone selling it for, like mint condition, was $7. Which... Damn. Sucks. Damn. Um, this book Damn. was published in 2007. Um, so it is like a more recent addition yeah. to the Marvel series, but it's not exactly uh it's not exactly a comic book. It's not exactly in the canon. Um in terms of like it happened in 2007. It is in the canon as in it introduces you to the origins of the characters. Sure. So um with Spider-Man it introduces you like the origins of Spider-Man, same with the Hulk. Um and then for Fantastic Four and the X-Men, they went through the the different members. For each page, there's like a pop-up of the member and it comes up, and then there's like a little comic book panel from like one of their first uh entrances into the x-men series okay uh and then there's like a little pullout fact sheet and it has like height weight age real name powers like first appearance like just all these little fun facts yeah Um, so it's it's all very fun and very cool and um i honestly was just interested as i was going through it um when the characters came in, like when they're introduced and why they are included is very interesting to me because I do have a panel 
on um, the original five X-Men. Okay. Um, which I will not be naming. That's a go find yourself thing. That's a little nugget for you. I um, think I might be able to do it, but I don't want to say it and be wrong. So go on. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you're going to embarrass yourself. Yeah, for sure. I did. Yeah. Um, but I think it's very interesting who they pick to like have pages. So I'm just kind of going to yeah go through. Um, and so it starts with Cyclops. Um, and Cyclops was originally like introduced in the very first volume of X-Men. He's like one of the very original X-Men and those first five, I believe it is canon that they existed before the comic book series. It is. Um, I just haven't, I haven't read X-Men in a very long time, so I don't want to say it like I'm the expert. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do believe it comes in with like this next generation of X-Men that like professor X Xavier uh, as you know, done the thing with again. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it starts with Cyclops who is in the original, um, and goes to Magneto who is in the original. Um, and we have a few more here and there who are like from the original. We have, um, we have storm and we also have Colossus who are part of the giant X-Men, uh, series that went on where they were like, well, what if we made them like really big, um, made him really big and that kind of like yeah not a ton of interest there no yeah. um that like giant x-men is something that's um it is a collector's edition because it did bomb okay that's that's what it is is that everyone said why do i need them to be big when they already have superpowers so let's just yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They were like, "Well, if you keep having them with superpowers, I don't need them to be huge. Mm-hmm. You could just go on." Um, but what I thought was most interesting in all of this is that um, Wolverine, which is probably the most famous X Man. Oh yeah. Um, considering he has all his spinoffs and Stuff, all the, you yeah. know all these different things, and blah. Um, he actually wasn't introduced in the X Men canon. Which is very interesting to me. He was introduced um, in one of the original Incredible Hulk uh, volumes in in 180, and then he had another arc in 181. In some corner of my mind, I knew that, but I didn't know at face value. Um, And he was also one of the last X-Men to be included in, like, this original X-Men as he was a 1974 edition to the crew, and the only one later than that is Nightcrawler, who nobody really knows. Bamf. Yep. Uh, nobody really knows, but he was introduced in 1975. Um, underrated. Nightcrawler deserves more, mm-hmm. for sure. He's got some cool stuff going on. I don't yeah. have time. Lots of stuff. Um, honestly, the coolest part of this is the visuals. Yeah. I love how, like... I love what they decided to come out at you. I love that they have different panels that you pull back. It's like you just really can tell that the people who worked on this absolutely loved the comics, that this was generally just a passion project for Marvel that they wanted to sell, Yeah, uh, which is like my favorite thing about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that just – it's just fun. Uh-huh. It's just fun to not have like – 
it's fun to have something out of canon. I'm the kind of person who really enjoys like filler episodes and everything like that because they kind of give. It's not the pressures of that the normal day to day that you would have to connect the dots or blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. It's just like a piece right and it's just like well i like these characters so i can relate to this piece and i don't have to go back and have like read the original like incredible hulk where wolverine comes in to know that like to be caught up on his backstory to you know do things like that so i do kind of wish that they continued with these they're very cool yeah Um, they're i mean they're very cool yeah my very quick aside Mm -hmm. is i was bullied a lot in high school sure for for a lot of reasons (laughs) um but one kid once and this was like after x-men movies had come out so like hugh jackman was wolverine um i don't know why but at lunchtime he just like yelled to me and he was like i hope you get fingered by wolverine and you know what uh me too the fuck yeah, first not? of all they're retractable i don't think you've ever read x-men he can take the blades back number two hugh jackman is hot number three why did you take time out of your day to yell that across the cafeteria to me because you're in high school and that's just what you need to do uh, i just wanted to dig up that memory um, yeah okay that's valid that's we got fun. We got a few more things coming uh, come with this book, mm-hmm. so I don't want to give away everything. So I think I will skip the rest of my notes for now Yeah, and just go to the trivia. Okay. Give me the trivia question. Um, I have one point so far. See if I can one total One point two. so far. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so we are not counting Colossus because his name is Colossus. Colossus. Um, but I want you to guess who the tallest X-Man is. Oh, that's a fun question. Yeah. The tallest X-Men, aside from Colossus. Cause aside from Colossus, because yeah. he's huge. I will tell you that Colossus is 6'6", six, six upright, and then he's 7'5", when he is Colossus. So, like... Imagine being 6'6". Six, six upright. Small. Like, yeah, <laughs> when, when, you're t- when you're tiny and you're 6'6". Six, six, like, yeah, so he's definitely, like, the tallest. Yeah, yeah but besides him. Uh, and your first is going to be Storm, mm-hmm. uh, which I will say... She was introduced in the giant X-Men series, so do not discount her because she's a lady. Mm-hmm. Usually, you know, ladies are written smaller. I will say she's introduced in giant X-Men. Yeah. Don't trick yourself. Uh, B is Cyclops. C is our famous boy, Wolverine. And D is Magneto. So Storm. Storm, introduced in giant X-Men. Cyclops. Cyclops. Wolverine. Wolverine. Or Magneto. Huh. So I know Wolverine isn't very tall because he's a Wolverine. And I've Wolverine. And I've read Yeah, I've read comics for sure. Um Jean Storm, Jean Grey, seems regular sized. Um so to me, it's between Cyclops and Magneto. Cyclops seems to be. I'm trying to picture pictures of them, but obviously, you know, different mm-hmm. artists draw them different. Blah blah blah. blah. Yeah, so it, like it, reference sizes. And yeah, yeah it just, it's it's hard to tell. Yeah, so it does. Yeah, um, Magneto ended up being quite the villain of the series. Um, but if we could do a callback to the build your own boyfriend. Maybe that's Magneto's trapped form. Interesting. 
It's an interesting thing to think about. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go B. Cyclops is the tallest X-Men. All B. Right. Cyclops. My follow-up is um, how tall do you think your answer is? This doesn't count toward you getting it wrong yeah, or right. I just, just wanna, for fun. Yeah. Six four. That's very interesting. So you are correct. Yeah. He is six three. That's not bad. Only followed by Magneto by one inch. Magneto six two. That's not bad. So I said Cyclops six four, and the correct answer is Cyclops yeah. six three. I thought I might be able to trick you. I didn't know if you were a DC or a Marvel person. I've read but it people all. People think that Wolverine is very large. Because of Hugh Jackman. Yes. Um, because yes. he is a very large man. But yeah. Wolverine was always no. canon a short king. In fact, yeah. Uh, yeah, so say, he's actually, fact, he's 5'3". Yeah. In canon, he's shorter than me by quite a few inches, which yeah. makes me feel good. No, yeah. Uh, but no, he's canon a short king, and then he was just cast as a very tall Big person. Time. So I thought maybe I could trick you. No, yeah. I, um, yeah, I, I read comics, mostly just independent comics at this point. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, I... Yeah, I did. I did some of everything, definitely. Now, was I ever he- absolutely huge on X Men? No, but I read the comics and I watched the show. Mm-hmm. I'm sure time to time. But yeah, no. Wolverine was always shorter. He was a yeah. He is a yeah. canon short king in everything except the live action movies. Except for Hugh Jackman. Except yeah. Except fair. for the live action movies. But that is how Wolverine is mostly known. Yeah. So I threw a little wrench in it. Wolverine's a short king. He is a short king. I love mm-hmm. that for him. I really do. I really genuinely do. So we have, so far on the scoreboard, we have two, zero, me. Um, so we're going into act two. Act two today would be a throwback clip. We're talking longtime throwback clip. Throwback, throwback, throwback. Um, so this is Toddy, me, on a very valid, very fun uh, podcast Neon Brainiacs with uh, Ben Deedles and Greg Harrington. In fact, Greg Harrington and I, we've known each other for quite some time. Um, at this particular recording, this was the first time that I met Ben. Um, we met at, yeah, we met, our first conversation really was as we were recording. Um, so Neon Brainiacs, they take a look at uh, horror, 80s horror, and uh, do reviews. And this particular episode they did, The Hills Have Eyes. So I watched The Hills Have Eyes. They watched The Hills Have Eyes. And then we talked about it. So Act 2 today is a clip of an old episode of Neon Brainiacs with me on it. Now, when we come back, we obviously are ending the show with Vintage versus Modern. Um, It's so far two points to zero points. But I will say, as a teaser, um, there is an option for me to double my points by waging the two points and ending up in four points. But if I wage them and lose them, I'm down to zero. But I want the big time. I want as many points as I could possibly get. I am going to wage both points. So the final vintage versus modern question. You can still win if I lose. So we'll be back after Act 2 Thrifty Podcast. Stay tuned.
And so it was, yeah, they were trying to mill him out because Beast was a natural-born star right. of this franchise. Yeah. And there was a few dogs in The Hills Have Eyes 1. So what I think, and I could be way wrong, but I think that was the other dog that had perished. Okay. So they wanted to let the audience know, like, we only got one dog this time. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. But I could be way wrong on that, though. Okay, this is making a heck of a lot more sense to me now because they picked up the dog and then they got four hundred dollars from the lady. Right, and I was like, why is she paying him? Dog that, come that yeah. yeah, more or less yeah. <laughs> like that the makes dog comes. so That's much it. more sense to me. <laughs> Gigolo, the four hundred dollars. All right, you guys, yeah. you guys help me out on that. Thank and that you. that's the thing. And you gotta think this friend <laughs> group. <laughs> this friend group is like pyramid scheming. New good gas, so they would be the type of people to be like, yeah. let's let's like get dog cum money. Yeah. Beast is we gonna got, knock some people over. We're gonna make a bunch of money. Yeah, we like, got we're gonna dog have, cum. We got good gasoline. We got <laughs> this guy's yeah. here. Yeah. She they got hairy shorts. They're fucking short as hell. She can't see. Yeah, <laughs> we're all, we got it all. Yeah, we cut back to the bus and good old Harry. He's telling stories on the bus and he's. I don't know, he's super annoying about it. He's like, oh, back in the day. And then he says the hills have eyes, too. I was like, he said the title of the movie. Mm-hmm. He talks about how these cannibals w- were eating, you know, anybody that came through their area. Foster's like, yeah, man. He's like, I'd eat any girl that came through here, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, sex stuff, guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get it? Yeah, because, like, the 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 black guy is the goofball yeah. with the suntan. So he's, all, he's like, he, he's like sh- throwing all, like, the dirtbag lines of the movie. Just like, whoa. He's reciting all these lines that were clearly written by a middle-aged white man. Yeah, I'll sell the dog for cum. Like, he even says that at one point, which is weird. Sir, this is an Arby's. <laughs> yes. I'm going to have to ask you to leave. Well, I just saw you're out of horsey sauce, so I figured... Oh, no! <laughs> I got bottles and bottles. <laughs> there, it looks the same. Anyway, we I are. perform oral sex. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, more flashback here. We get a little bit of a scene, because uh, it's, it's Ruby having the flashback, right? Yeah. And we get that sort of baby-snatching scene, like, from the first one. Because Ruby was the, um, I guess, the domesticated lady. from The first one, she lived in the hills, but she was, like, abducted in a good way. Yeah. And then domesticated. So now she's hanging out with all these people who, honestly, are a lot less behaved than she is. I agree. Which is interesting. Yeah. So those hills, people, those hills people did do something right. They yeah. taught her manners. They're driving down the street. There's a lot of scenes here with, with them on the bus, and we get more of uh, Harry's wonderful stories. But then um, this is something I'd like to bring up with you guys. Um, all of a sudden they realize it's daylight savings time and that they're going to be late or something for this yeah. race. None of these, like, 15 fucking people have <laughs> uh, equated for the time that they lost, so they're going to be more than an hour late. Not one bunch of dummies. Of yeah, mm-hmm. no one thought of it. And what are they crossing into different time zones too? Is that part of the deal? That I'm not sure of. Okay, it's tough to understand. But that's when they also mentioned that um, the 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 girl who's unable to see. They like start mentioning she's like psychic. Yeah, did you pick that up? Yeah, because someone was like, "You feeling psychic today or whatever?" And yeah, like, like oh. aren't, aren't you getting psychic like you sometimes do? And it's just like, what do you mean by that? But <laughs> yeah. I think that's what your what they were like. Oh, we're late. And she's just like, yeah, were you thinking about that? Yeah. Yeah. like, what the fuck? That's not how that works either. 
Well, they're going to be late unless they take a shortcut through the desert. Yeah, so they're driving down Furnace Canyon Road, which is like some kind of dirt road, which has got a lot of fucking rocks and shit in the street. Like it's not a, not a like a road you'd want to travel on if you had like a Geo Metro or something. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lowered Honda Civic perhaps. Yeah, I know. You're going to fuck up your exhaust, you know? Mm. But we noticed, I noticed at least somebody was up on a mountain and they like flashed like a mirror to know, each other. To each other. Like, yeah, see humans. The hill, the hills, the hill people were communicating by mirrors. <laughs> by so mirror. Those eyes we have, I got them on a couple people. They look mighty tasty. <laughs> those cannibals were getting hungry. I do like that, um, you know, somebody says, I don't know, something about that mirror because they're like, Didn't, did you see something or whatever? And I think it's Harry. He's like, holy shit. You know, and then you, like everyone turns and looks at him. He's like, we're out of beer. <laughs> <laughs> driving and drinking and driving. Uh, by the you way, <laughs> I think you've said it, but they are in a bus. Yeah. They're yeah. all collectively in a giant bus drinking <laughs> and talking about oral sex right now yep. in dirt bikes. You're all going to live. <laughs> so the, like, dirt bikes, oral sex, and beer, you're out. You're yeah. done. You're not a successful horror guest. Sounds like my kind of weekend. <laughs> <laughs> But um, they do find a welcome sign, but it's spelled well, C-U-M. Nah. Welcome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Surprised that wasn't the sign going to the kennel. <laughs> no. No. I like someone, this one of the characters, I don't remember who, was like, who would do this? Who would make this sign? And it's like, the, the hill people. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. This guy's Bobby was talking about, maybe? I don't know. But yeah, they're they're riding down this rough road, and uh, the gas tank gets punctured by all these rough rocks on this uh, moon road they're driving on here. Uh, and they end up getting out. I think is this uh, Hulk? Maybe is he like the mechanic here? I yeah. believe so. Yeah. 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 He fixes it with some chewing gum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sticks it with chewing gum, and then he says, "There's like there's still some gas in there, but like that's just enough gas to like." scoot around not uh, not enough gas to like eat off of right type yeah. of gas and they can't use the super fuel for some reason they're like oh we can't use that it's not even for, for plot purposes <laughs> for <Yeah>. plot purposes <laughs> the whole thing we can't use it yeah why huh? okay so they start thinking that maybe there's going to be a gas station out here in the middle of nowhere and they start to split up they're like hey just be careful out here because people this far out usually have a reason Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. not just dirt biking. Yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll they'll find that reason. But yeah, they find this like compound looking thing. You know, this, it looks really cool. It is cool looking, like a mine shaft. Famous last words are like, "It can't hurt to look." And I'm yeah. like, mm. <laughs> exactly. yeah. "R.I.P. You." <laughs> <laughs> Someone does say, "Hey, a couple coats of paint. This place could look pretty good." I was like, oh, "I wrote I in, this was the part of the film where I was still stoned." And my notes, <laughs> my notes says, "The bus pees out the gas, but the bus isn't slamming up and down on the bumps." And I'll tell you what that second piece means <laughs> yeah. is they were billing it as a very rocky road yeah. and it, the the tank splits and gas goes everywhere. But when you see the shots inside the bus, they're just calmly just, driving. Yeah. So, yeah, when I wrote isn't slamming up and down the bumps, that's probably what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Hi. Me. <laughs> Someone else has a line, too. It's like, no one's lived here in a million years, I bet. And it's like, yeah, you betcha. There's just a road. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Well, we see someone watching them, and it is Michael Berryman, a.k.a. Pluto. The big dog of the film. The yep. big dog. Big dog Pluto. He's up there. <laughs> 
And they're exploring the place and kind of, you know, scaring each other, playing practical jokes and stuff, you know. This place does look cool. I will say the setting is top-notch in this thing. Probably the coolest part of the film is when they're exploring this, like, abandoned whatever it is. And, yeah, there's a lot of, like, trinkets. There's a lot of, like, all kinds of stuff in there, too, so. Do you remember in Death by Dialogue when they did that weird montage where they were on, like, it looked like an old soundstage for like a where you would shoot westerns. Yeah. It reminded me a little bit of that. Yeah, I'm with you on that. We do see a raccoon is hanging out in the loft up there because uh, what's his face? Beast is getting all upset about it. Crazy. Beast is going nuts in the – he's in the bus yeah. going nuts. Um, but Pluto pops out finally. I was like, God, man, could something happened in this I think movie? this is like a half hour into the movie. Like half they hour finally in. show up. Ruby and her pleated khakis uh, <laughs> get in quite a fight uh, with, with Pluto. And he sort of runs off, too. And he's got this, like, cackle. Did you notice? He's like, <laughs> He giggles a lot yeah, in this movie. Like, it's really funny. I think he just, like, because Ruby, again, was one of the hill people. So, yeah. like, he saw Ruby again, which is basically, like, his almost, like, in a way, like, his stepdaughter. Mm-hmm. So he's just like, Ruby's back. Let's, like, fucking I, revenge time. Yeah. So... And yeah, Beast hates Pluto. They have a long heated feud. They do. Long heated yeah. feud from the first one. And yeah, we we were about to learn why because this is the epic section in this movie where we get a dog flashback. A dog <laughs> exposition, baby. <laughs> Who I allowed this to happen? <laughs> I love it, dude. Dude, when he's on the bus, like in, right before the flashback happens, I swear to God, the dog looks at the camera. Yeah, because the dog just kind of goes, he's like barking and barking and it and just goes, like, Grr. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. It's all these. It's I all remember. These, all these characters, all these characters have these flashbacks to the first film who are alive in that, and even Beast the dog. And he's yeah. like, I remember the first film. Yeah. You I killed remember. my friend and I fucked you up for it. <laughs> And I'm back. Like, imagine that dog. So the dog is in the desert, deals with all these people, and it's like, finally, that part of my life is over. Then goes to a cum factory. (laughs) And 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 then it's released from the cum factory, and they drive it back to the desert. To the nightmare land. For fuck's sake, give him an exposition. Like, he's like, oh, my God. He's just like John Rambo of the fucking desert. (laughs) The beast of the dog. So that was me on Neon Brainiacs, and that has been a while since I've been on that show, but obviously since the pandemic, I have not even seen them, uh, boys, in real life. Genuinely, they are some of, like, when you talk to them, yeah, they radiate the kindest, least toxic form of masculinity possible. Yeah, but, like, they, for it's sure, like, both It's, of like, them. actual, like... Yeah. Like a genuine teddy bear energy. Yeah. There's nothing I've ever gotten from them. Yeah. I would would say they're better people than me, for sure. Oh, yeah. They're (laughs) definitely better people than me. Like... Oh, yeah? Like, they're... Oh, yeah. But, you know, I've met them a few times, and they've genuinely just been uh, just so kind. Yeah. So kind. And I do... I do love their podcast. And, yeah. So that was me on it. So I had said in Act 1 that I will be wagering my points. And... So you might have the opportunity to do some damage to me. So we're going to hop into our last segment. Vintage versus modern. Vintage versus modern. 
And now for new listeners to the show, Vintage versus Modern, we take one of the pe- one of the pieces that we went over in our thrift haul today, and whether that piece be vintage or modern, we find its counterpart on eBay.com, the website, and see which has more value. And then we ask each other which has more value. So I'm going to start off. I'm going to start off, and I'm going to use uh, Build Your Own Boyfriend. And that is a uh, that's older, so I'm going to use that for vintage, and it's against grow your own boyfriend. Um, so, but what I have written down is because uh, just I because it's it's comedy, I suppose. Um, I wrote down the actual eBay listings of what these say. So, vintage versus modern, vintage. New build your own boyfriend fridge magnets put together your own Mr. Right versus modern grow a boyfriend your own man male rude secret Santa gifting stocking joke gag toy rude uh, joke gag toy is rude. what I now identify <laughs> as rude they were like it's gonna be a man so you have to be prepared rude yeah um, tag yourself I am joke gang toy. Um, so vintage versus modern build your own boyfriend with magnets versus the modern grow your own boyfriend. Which do you think has a higher value? A vintage build your own boyfriend with magnets versus a modern grow your own boyfriend. This is kind of tricky because I estimate both of them to be pretty low value. Sure. Um, I will, I will say just for the vintage aspect, mm-hmm. I bet the build your own boyfriend has a few more dollars tacked onto it. Ooh. Okay. So you're going to go vintage. If I'm, if I'm thinking like the grow your boyfriend as I am, yeah. I'm thinking like I can get those dinosaur caplets from like, uh, giant eagle Anywhere. or like, yeah, yeah, for like two, three bucks. Sure. Okay. Well, um, so this is for one point. Um, vintage versus modern. Build your own boyfriend versus grow your own boyfriend. I will say the vintage uh, build your own boyfriend, the one on the show today, it goes for $9.35. Okay. So for you to be correct, the modern would have to be below $9.35. Which I kind of estimate. And you're correct. It's vintage. Yeah. It is vintage. Uh, the modern is nine dollars and ninety-five cents, and I will say on eBay, one as of right now, one hundred and forty-two sold. So there are some grow your own boyfriend chances out there, but you, you get a point. You get a point, and I have wagered my points. Yes. So now on with you on the board with one point. If yes. I get this question wrong, ipso facto, you win the episode. And that's unfair, but that's what I did to me. I do things to me. Yeah. That's one of the things I do to me. Well, honestly, um, does that seem fair to you? No. No. But I couldn't get more points than you anyway. Fair. And that's the part that seems unfair to me. Well, let's see if you win. (laughs) Let's see if you win. All right. Yeah. Um, we, uh, 
I'm using my uh, Marvel Retro Character Collection as... Excellent. We just talked about that. As my vintage. Yes. Um, this was a 2007. Mm-hmm. Which, not quite vintage. Sure. Older. Older, older than, than 2020. What? So this is 2020 shit, huh? This is 2020 shit. Okay. Uh, I'm going to let you guess if this... On its first print, mm-hmm. is more than this now. Oh, so my—that's kind of curious. Because let's let's dissect this for a second. Yeah, if I were to do a vintage comic book mm-hmm. included in this book, it would most obviously be more. Than, than this a, book. Yes. So. It is but a I will make pressing? it. I will make it. Even more interesting for you. Ooh. We're talking series collection. All four books. Oh. Buttholes. Huh? Um, from, from when it was first released. Which did not come in a set. To now. Which it does not come in a set. Hmm. And that would be the older one, which I've seen, versus a more modern version. Um, Just because we talked about the inflation. Yes. Yes, of, we did. Of not only, yeah, of money. I, for the game, will be going with modern here. I'm going modern here. Very interesting. Um, so that's what I'm going to go for for the game. Very what, interesting. What is take. your thoughts there? Um, the thing about inflation is it decides what is and is not valuable. Based on nothing, yeah. Yeah, based on... And it does. it's not even based on sales at the time. I did give you a hint before. Yeah. And tell you that uh, Mint Condition, the Fantastic Four, sells for $7. Sure. Uh, these and that, were, well, that's why, I went, that's why I went modern. Yeah. So um, the books all together, uh, they were about $25 yeah. at its start, which would be $100 for the collection. Sure. I will tell you, you're correct. Yeah. But only by about $7. Okay. okay. Because as it turns out, so um, so the Spider-Man and the Wolverine sell for about 20 to 30 bucks. Mm-hmm. Hulk sells for 70 Okay. That's a ton. That's a... That's... Fantastic Four for seven, and I'm giving you the the high end. When I say thirty dollars for like, mm-hmm. giving you the high end. Well, if we're thinking about taxes, things like that, mm-hmm. it only shakes out to like maybe a ten dollar difference between the set then and now. Well, so you're correct. Despite the but difference, it sucks. I have <laughs> doubled my points. Four to one, baby. And I have, fortunately for me, won an episode, God help me, in a while. 
So, um, do you know how much gay math I had to do at the last second? I'm um, uh, probably as much as I had to. Bro, I literally whipped my calculator out to double check my math because I thought I was wrong. Damn. Well, gay math uh, at least works for one of us today. So I, I won the episode four to one. I want to thank you for being a part of the episode. And it's been a while since you've been on the episode. It's been since a holiday episode. Um, some of the holiday episodes have been some of my favorite and also least favorite episodes just because, um, yeah, there's always just a bunch of people and I, it's hard directing and everyone. And also I don't like doing it. I do like, (laughs) (laughs) I don't like doing it. Um, but um, so I think even like when, before the pandemic, when there was like live shows, um, when those are done, that, that's a pretty okay time. I look back maybe a week after and go like, put a lot of work into that. But during it, doing it, hate it. <laughs> I just don't like it. When you hate hanging out with your friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just, I don't know. It just always just feels like, uh... Yeah, it's just always such a stressful time, I guess. Like right. put, putting everything together and stuff like that. And not that it's like a big deal. Um, I'm just merely saying like I'm just always so stressed in the moment that I cannot in that moment go like this is a good this time. This is fun. I'm with my friends. Yeah, yeah, but like a week later I go back and I'm like. This was fun. That seemed chill. I seem like in a good mood. <laughs> like I could identify that I, I was even like in a good mood. And it's weird because I'm just like, you were saying in your head how much fun you were not having. But then I hear you. Well, look. Faking it's one thing. Look, we're going to wrap it up with the what, with what we talked about at the beginning of the show. Your thinking and your feeling are always at war because they are on the same level. Tough. Tough. Um, what's not tough is our sponsors. Um, want to give again? <laughs> want to give it up for Commonwealth Press, cwpress.com. Um, thrifty T-shirts are printed on those. Thrifty stickers are printed on those. Cwpress.com. Order fifty shirts. Uh, you get twelve in your order for free. Use the promo promo code thrifty or thrifty podcast. Also, Steve Bears of Bluffs, bluffs.bandcamp.com. Alternate reality, the theme to our show for many reasons. Also, something you've never seen before. This the theme to Act One. Thank you so much. And print again. Thank you again for when you are on. Print episodes are always long episodes, but I'll tell you what, it yeah. never feels like as long as it is. Especially it, it. It mostly was long because you were in the Royal Rumble succeeding, and I like seeing you succeed. Uh, that's very sweet. Okay. Um, first of all, I like being a winner. Second of all, you know I will always get on and fill space because it's it's what I do anyway. Um, third of all, it's always fun to hang out with you. So yeah. All right. Win win. All right, let's spark up. Everybody else, get roached.